If you'd open your Bibles with me this morning, my assignment is found in Matthew chapter 11 and verse number 28. And we're going to read verses 28 through 30. Matthew 11 and 28. I'm going to use for a subject this morning the easy way. The easy way. Matthew eleven twenty eight. it says in the New Living Translation, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all ye who are weary and are heavy burdened, and who have who carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Can you say amen? amen. Jesus gives an invitation. And this invitation is what I call a qualified invitation. Anybody, uh, I'm sure most of us have gotten invitations, and as soon as you open it and look at it, you kind of say to yourself, uh, not going, because you remember getting an invitation from that person before, and the food was bad, or something was amiss that wasn't enjoyable, so you say, why put myself through that again? But then you open other invitations, and you say, oh yeah, I'm going to be the first one there, because you know they're going to have everything right. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, Jesus' invitation is qualified because of who he is and because of what he had done. Before I elaborate on that, let's talk more about who the invitation was to. He stands up and says, come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, all ye that are carrying heavy burdens, all ye that are tired and weary. And he's saying it basically to a religious audience. He's saying it to scribes who were teachers. He's saying it to Pharisees who were the officers uh, of religion of that day. And, and they're really astounded. They're really taken aback at what he says because people were used to coming to church or coming to the synagogue at that time or coming to a religious order and even coming to a religious organization. But they were not used to someone, a person, a man standing up saying, come unto me. Well, those of us who read our Bibles today are understanding of what qualified him. Isaiah said that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was laid upon him with his stripes, we are healed. They didn't have the privilege of understanding the legacy of Calvary's cross. They didn't have the privilege of understanding the road 
to Emmaus and how that Jesus paid the price. The New Testament says things like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For he made him to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. See, that is profound to our ears and I'm so thankful for it. But imagine in Jesus' day, he's saying to this group of people, come unto me. I'm extending you an invitation. It's not really a lot different than in our day because the same invitation is extended in every situation to every race, to every culture, to every denomination, to every religion, to every person. Jesus says, come unto me. And the picture of what he said is really twofold. At first he's saying, come to me, those of you that are tired. This is a person who is involved in extreme weariness. The person that cannot take another step. It is the, also the picture of a person who is under extreme pressure. And what most people don't really relate to or understand is that life is guaranteed to bring you to a place where you feel you can't go any further. I know that people think, and I hear them say it all the time, and sometimes we are counseling people who feel like they're being picked on in life. They feel like life has dealt them a bad hand. But according to the book of Job, what he says to us is that man or mankind that is born to a woman is few of days and full of trouble. That's the way life is. And it's that way for everybody. And Jesus knew that. Jesus understood that because he is the very author of life. But it amazes me about me and my understanding of searching for truth in life and it amazes me about other people I know and see and their understanding of searching for truth in life. Here's the great thing about it. As I said, it was designed so you would come to a place of understanding that life will bring everyone to that same place. It's a place where you feel like you can't go any further. It's a place where you think you can't take another step. And that's where the invitation becomes real to you. So Jesus expressed himself that way. And that invitation is my first point. The invitation is to everybody. It is to every person. It is no matter what situation you're in because oftentimes people think, that only if you're down and out do you ever come to a place where you're feeling like you can't go any further. But I propose to you that it's not true. Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes is careful to show us that when you search your whole life, 
for peace, rest, and happiness. And you use everything that's available to you. His searching brought him to a place of emptiness. He called it vanity and vexation of spirit. In the Hebrew, it means striving after the wind, like trying to catch a handful of wind and keep it in your bosom. He said, I've had men servants and maid servants. I've built great buildings. I've planted great vineyards. He used his imagination to show us that without God, you can search, you can do, you can experience everything that life has to offer. You can be down, you can be up, you can have resources, you can have no resources. It doesn't matter, but every person at some point comes to that same place of exhaustion where they feel like, I've done everything I know to do. I may have everything I always wanted to have, but there is still that emptiness in my spirit, in my inner being. Sometimes I know with myself, and maybe some of you will relate to me, I couldn't identify what it was. I just knew I was tired. I couldn't put my finger on how to explain it or articulate it like I am today, but I just knew I couldn't go any further. And this is the proof positive for all of us because Jesus could not have stood up and spoken to those religious leaders and the others that were in his audience when he said this had he not known this truth that I'm about to share with you. And that truth is I know that you're going to get tired. Jesus knew that because he knew that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man can come unto the Father but by him. It, 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 it interests me as I watch different things, maybe the news and other articles, where people get mad if you say that Jesus is the only way. I, I understand that. Because I didn't understand. But according to scripture, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Here's my point. Nobody has to try to convince you. Nobody had to try to convince me. Uh, I was a little stubborn. Maybe some of you have an apple out of that bag. I don't know. But I wasn't trying to hear some preacher try to tell me what to do to get to heaven. And I certainly wasn't interested in some church trying to tell me what I need to do to get my life to a place of happiness and peace. And I certainly wasn't interested in some individual trying to instruct me and disciple me. So what did I do? I set out on a quest of my own. I recommend that very highly if you want to end up tired and burdened. But in my personal quest... I found out for myself. In my testimony, I'll be brief about it, but I was a 13-year-old alcoholic, a 16-year-old drug dealer, and I thought that I had the world in the palm of my hand. People always say, you know, when I came to Christ, uh, I was down and out, and I was tired of, of life and tired of this and that, but 
When he found me, I wasn't tired. I was having the time of my life. And I hear a lot of Christians say, you know, sin is no fun. I don't know what kind of sin y'all were doing. <laughs> the sin I was doing was big time fun. <laughs> I was doing everything you could name. But in my heart, I was not happy. No man knew my heart because only God knew my heart. I looked happy. I had some money. I felt happy. I impressed others with looking happy and feeling happy. But I wasn't happy. Inside of me, there is a voice called conscience. And that was put there by God. And that conscience bears witness of the truth. You can look at the grass and say, that grass is not green. It's not made by God. You can look at the sun and the moon and the stars and say, oh, that's just out there by some big explosion. No, it's easier for me to believe that there's a God who said, let there be, than for me to believe by osmosis, it just got thrown out there. But my point is, nobody had to come to me finally to tell me that he was real. I heard the invitation. And the reason my ears were open to the invitation is because I was tired. I had drank all the 100 proof granddad and the tequila I could drink and it wasn't doing anything else for me. I had drank all, I had smoked all the Colombian red, gold, Acapulco. Okay, sit there and look all sanctified like you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I had smoked all of it I could smoke and I wasn't getting high anymore. And at 21 years old, 13 to 21, the Lord said to me, if you die the way you are, you're going to spend eternity without me. And I probably wouldn't have listened to a preacher or wouldn't have listened to a church or an organization or a religion. But when it hit home in my heart, when I knew I was sick of being sick and tired of being tired, when the dawn of a new day wasn't a refreshing experience for me, I knew that there was something better, and that's when my ears came open to the invitation. My second point is we have the need for rest. He gives the invitation and then says, come unto me. Well, what do we want to come to you for, Jesus? We've come to church. We've come to religion. We've come to organizations. We've come to positive thinking. We've come to uh, reinforce self-help. Why should we come to you? He said, come unto me and I will give you rest. Most people don't even know the necessity they have or the quest inside of them to seek rest. According to so many people, and I'm ashamed to say this, but according to so many people in religious circles, we make it seem like he's calling you because he wants you to do something. He's calling you because he wants you to give him something. He's calling you because he wants you to forsake something. And 
Those may be half-truths, but the primary reason he's calling is because he has the rest that you are looking for. And what I'm saying to you this morning is that if you are tired, you can find rest. If you are weary, there are certain ways to try to escape your tiredness and your weariness, and we call that escapism. Many times we go to amusement parks because the word amuse in the Greek, ah, meaning no, muse meaning think. We don't want to think. So the reason I turn up a bottle of vodka and try to down it is because I think it's going to help me not think. The reason I shoot up my veins with heroin or cocaine or some other drug or take some pill is because if I can just get off life's merry-go-round for a moment and not think. But every time, almost every time, we do it, we wake up. And we have to face the same thing again and again and again. So when you see people act out, or when you see people get involved in certain things and gasp for air with your mouth hanging wide open, you're looking at a person who needs rest. You're looking at a person who's tired of going in that direction, but they don't know the answer. And even though I tell you Jesus is the answer, you won't know until you get really tired. When you get really tired, nobody has to tell you. And you will come like I did. And you will find out that rest comes from him. And he's willing to give so much and ask for so little. It's amazing how the devil, listen to me carefully, the devil and religious hierarchy puts so many burdens on people to make them feel like they just can't come to Jesus, like it costs too much. I don't want to do that much. I don't want to give that much. Jesus doesn't ask us for anything but to come. And when you come, you will find a Savior that is meek and lowly in heart. He's not a hard taskmaster. I'm getting ahead of myself, but let me get to point number three. Point number three is everybody not just wants to, but needs to get to the place where you can take it easy. Wouldn't you like to take it easy? What Jesus said is in verse 30. He said, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Wow. You mean to tell me that you're offering me an easy yoke? Yes, Jesus said my yoke is easy. Well, to some people that's not good news because they don't understand what's being said. When I said yoke, I could feel about 40% of you who said, I'm not really into yokes. A yoke is 
in, in especially in that day, a yoke is a wooden harness put around the neck to guide you in a certain direction. Jesus says, my yoke is easy. Why did you have to make that specification, Jesus? Because he knows the yoke you have around your neck right now is not easy. And see, that's where the distinction really stands out. People say, well, come to Jesus and take his yoke. I'm not in the yokes. Yeah, but you have a yoke. You are wearing a yoke. You came to church with a yoke around your neck. It's just a matter of whether it's Jesus' yoke or whether it's Satan's yoke. I know you don't want to hear that. I know you don't want me to say that. But this is the real truth, is there is no in-between. There is no space where you say, well, I'm not serving God, but I ain't serving the devil either. Oh, yeah. Jesus, not Jesus, but the Old Testament writer said, choose you this day whom ye will serve. And he said, today is the day of salvation. Harden not your hearts. The reason he said that is because this yoke that he offers you and I is easy. Now, in the Greek language, that word easy there means well-fitted. He's saying what you've been searching for all of your natural life Every experience that you've had and your quest of heart in life, trying to be happy, trying to be blessed, trying to be fulfilled in your heart, I have a plan that suits you perfectly. In other words, it fits very well. There is nothing like a man or a woman who can be doing in life the thing that their heart desires. There is no happier person that meets somebody who their hearts knit together and they find that not only from a mental ascent point of view do they care about each other, but they can share heart to heart relationship, and they feel fulfilled, not just in that person. Fulfillment comes from Christ, but because they have his yoke, they can get with somebody they can be honest and share their heart with, and there's not a happier person that has somebody that they can share life with and enjoy life with on a real heart-to-heart level. And Jesus says, if you come to me, I will give you a yoke that fits you. Let me tell you something else about the yoke before I take my seat. The oxen were given a yoke so they could plow straight. In that day, if you didn't plow straight, you didn't have good crops. And if you didn't have good crops, you didn't get your return. And so not only did they want them to plow straight, but the yokes were so that the oxen would be hooked up to the wagon and hooked up to the other oxen also. But 
if the yoke wasn't there, the ropes that they used to constrain the oxen without the yoke would cut and burn the animal. And so the animal had to work every day while it was hurting. And so its production level had to go down. And people who don't have Jesus' yoke are yoked up by taskmasters. They're yoked by people who don't care about them. They're yoked by people who are only trying to get a job done or people who are trying to use you as long as you're the highest, the best, and most beautiful, which is the definition for eros or a selfish kind of love. I beg selfish people all the time, please don't get married. Please don't do it. Because marriage is about love and giving and being selfless. And so the animal, back to the yoke, the animal could not enjoy his time on earth or the person cannot enjoy their time on earth if they are hurting while they are trying to fulfill their purpose. And so what Jesus says, he says those other masters, those other situations in life, they also yoke you. And they also guide you and direct you. And they don't care about you. They hurt you and still want full production from you. They want the best you've got. They want the most beautiful you have. They want everything you have. And they seem to be never satisfied. And you're hurting every day with smiles that don't mean anything. And Jesus said, I have a yoke for you that those ropes can fit right through. And then he said in Psalm 32 and 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my eye. That's why he proclaimed, come to me, all ye that are burdened down and tired, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. It's not anything he's going to force on you. It's not any regulation he's going to force on you. There's not any rule he's going to try to make you live by. He's going to bring you into his yoke and then you will see what he has to offer, and when you see it, you will willingly submit to it. The Bible says that the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not. And it says Satan is the God of this world. He's not the God of the earth. It says the God of this world. The word world there means pattern, order, an arrangement. Satan is the God of this pattern, this order, and this arrangement. The psalmist said, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and they that dwell therein. So it's not the earth that we're worried about. It's this system that so many people are stuck in, that Jesus has sent you an invitation and offered you a way out of it. And lastly, he says, I want you to come because I'm meek 
and lowly in heart. I'm not going to take you and tie you up and hook you up to a system. I wouldn't be so cruel as to introduce you to an organization. But what I'm going to do, because I'm meek and lowly in heart, is I'm going to put a yoke around your neck that fits you perfectly, that makes you happy, that fulfills everything about you, that is your heart's desire, because I am the one that gave all that to you. And I'm going to put it around your neck, understanding what you've been through. I'm going to give you this yoke with compassion. And I'm going to take you in. The New Testament uses a word called succor. It means to bring you close to his breast and hold you tight. Uh-huh. You know what I'm talking about. That's what Jesus does. He brings you in. So it's not this thing where I'm running from Jesus and I don't know why them church folk keep calling me. I would run from them too. <laughs> but Jesus, when he's calling you and saying, come unto me, all ye that labor and are tired and weary, I will give you rest. And I want to change your yoke. You can look at the church from now on as a place where people can get a new yoke. And the new one they get is in no comparison to the old one. Because he said, my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Before I take my seat, I want to know, is anybody tired? Has anybody taken that last step? You can't go any further. Is anybody carrying too many burdens? You weren't built to carry them. He said, cast your burden upon the Lord, and he will sustain thee. Would you bow your heads with me?